Let's get right into what we're going to be talking about today. Father's Day. Our topic today is I Father. Look at your neighbor and say, I Father. Um, all of this month, we have been talking about iTunes. Um, we have been kind of, you, you can tell a lot about a person when you scroll through the iPod, can't you? When you go through their music, when you find out some of the things that they're listening to, you really can. And um, this month, we're just taking that word iTunes, we're putting some cool things behind it, and in a hardcore, Christ-centered, biblical way, we're sharing you with you a little bit about some of that. So each and every service, we try to come up with a song to kind of, uh, you know, make parallel with what we're going to be talking about. And I asked my brother Mike to come up with a song that's going to inspire us for daddy, so would you guys hit us with that song today? I'm sorry, guys. You can't trust your younger brother to do anything right, can you? You know, when we started this church, mom said that I had to bring him along, so. We, we, we are talking about dads today. And we are talking about the landscape of the American family. We're talking about how that dad has become a bit of a caveman in the family because the family has become a little bit more domesticated than what it used to be, hasn't it? And many times it's hard for dad to find the adventure that exists in the domestication of the American family. It's hard for dad to understand where the adventure is. If I'm not blasting down I-55 on my Harley, if I'm not going out there and playing sports, if I'm not, if I don't have my rifle in my hand and I'm not, you know, putting the crosshairs on a, on a big, massive 12-point buck, that's adventurous to dad, right? What about the adventure when we go home and we walk into our living rooms? Because that seems to be the issue that the landscape of the American family and even the way that TV land has produced the American dad has showed the dad to be more of a domesticated dad and it has showed that there may not be adventure in being a man of God. Transforming dad from the caveman to God's man. Finding a way to get dad to step into those things that God would want him to do and want him to be as an adventure in Christ. That is what I think that we need to look at today and very closely discuss. Um, TV dads that we can associate with. I mean, a very awesome TV dad I thought was Charles Ingalls, right? Charles Ingalls, everybody remember that? Anybody remember Charles Ingalls? But that, Little House on the Prairie, that's right. But that was in the 17th century. We live in 2008, it's kind of hard to associate with Charles nowadays. I mean, he was a religious man, took his kids to church, would do anything for his kids. Laura had a friend who had a heel that was two inches short, and Charles built that friend a special set of shoes so that she wouldn't get made fun of. I mean, that, that's a super dad in my book. But again, we can't, we can't make him relevant today. Al Bundy is another dad that many of us have seen, right? He kind of was portrayed as the I don't care dad. I'm just going to give up, always talking about his wife, always chiding on his kids, always provoking the worst out of anything and everything. A complete negative dad. How many dads associate with Charles, with, with Al Bundy? <laughs> Thank you for not raising your hand. Now here's a good dad. Heathcliff Huxtable. He was an amazing dad. I loved 
how the TV portrayed the doctor who always had plenty of time for his kids no matter what his schedule. Claire Huxtable, the mom who was a lawyer. It seemed that they were constantly busy, constantly moving, constantly on the run, but there was one focus in their life that was most important to them, and that was creatively raising those children. I loved how the TV portrayed him. Something seemingly was missing in the Huxtable family, though. I never seen a lot of church. Did you notice that? Not a lot of spiritual things that were coming forward in that. So even as an amazing dad as Heathcliff Huxtable was, I always ask the question, where was the God dad in that particular portrayal? Ward Cleaver, the suit and tie dad. Kind of the 50s and 60s dad, suit and tie. Every time you see any man, he was sharp, hair slicked back. He was looking good. Always had a word of wisdom for his son. But how many suit and tie dads do we have out there? We have a few, I understand that, but we find ourselves looking for a dad that can be God's man in America. And we find ourselves wanting the adventure of what Father's Day really means. One little boy, when asked to explain about Father's Day, he said, it's kind of like Mother's Day, only you don't have to spend as much on the gifts. That makes sense. (laughs) That makes really good sense. On Mother's Day, did you know this? On Mother's Day, there is a higher attendance all across America in churches. Huge day for church, Mother's Day. Not Father's Day. On Mother's Day, the corsages are bought and the flowers and all of that awesome stuff, the emotional things. You'll notice on Father's Day, we show the videos of people belching. On Mother's Day, it's all teary and emotional and it's like, man, I love you, Mom. We'd, every, every Mother's Day, we would take our mom out to dinner. And I mean, just a lot of time is spent on Mother's Day making sure that we pay honor to what? The hand that rocks the cradle, the nurturing person, the one that brought our kids into this world. And that is an amazing, amazing day, and we should always do that. But on Father's Day, the church is not as full. The emotions aren't running as high. Businesses don't profit as much on Father's Day. Telephone companies do really well on Mother's Day, but get this, they do better on Father's Day. But you know why? Collect phone calls. (laughs) You make more money on collect phone calls. It's not that more people are calling, it's that they're calling collect. That's what happens when you're a dad. And it's funny how that the landscape has reduced the dad to really not being in the picture as much as he should. And here's the crazy thing. We accept the role, don't we? Many times we will accept the role and we become this kind of cavernous caveman who comes home from work and we sit in our recliner and we make weird sounds and we find ourselves not engaging in the landscape of the American family. We speak broken sentences. That's why we went with I father. It's more caveman-like, I father. You mother, right? You kids. That's the way men talk. I man, you woman. (laughs) I grill on open fire. (laughs) Then pee on fire to put out flame. That seems to be the whole dad thing and we we really do we find ourselves getting reduced to not engaging in the spiritual direction of the american family i heard of a mother who left her room in the maternity ward 
And she went down to the nursery and found her husband staring at his newborn baby. She seen him looking through that window, and here was a, just she was just she was captivated by how he was just staring at that little baby in there. And she was so touched that she finally tiptoed up and kind of slid her arm in his. And um, she said, "Honey, what are you thinking?" He said, "I just can't understand how they're able to build that crib for eighty nine ninety five. That's dad. It's always." something with dad that he he can do with his hands, that he can build, that he can provide. That's what we do as dads, isn't it? But God would want you to know that there is more of an adventure out there than what you can do with your hands. God's not always looking for man to reinvent the wheel. He's looking for man to do with his heart what he can do with his hands. If it was an opportunity for us to step in and to put physical labor into what we could do with our heart, we would be successful as dads, wouldn't we? We would be the most amazing dads in the world, but we are missing some detrimental piece of wiring that is in our heads that doesn't allow us to cross over into that perspective. The family landscape is the great frontier to the American dad today. We just need to open our eyes and see it. I honestly believe that the gospel of Christ that we preach each and every Sunday here begins with the humility of a dad. I believe that this gospel message that is going to transform communities in the St. Louis area and all throughout our area and region will begin with the humility of a father and his willingness to accept this gospel message as a transformational message and to stop trying to work with his hands to prove who he is, but to be validated by the purpose and the destiny of God in his life. That will change America. Because when the family is changed, I promise you, America will change. Did you know this? That the very first national celebration of this day was on June 19th, 1924, the very first Father's Day. And there was a lady by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd. Sonora was sitting in church in 1909. She was sitting in a Mother's Day service. Sonora didn't have a mom. Sonora's dad had raised her all of her life. And in 1909, she was given a God ideal. Because of how wonderful her father was, because of how amazing that her dad nurtured her, loved her, and proved that men can do it. At that particular time, she was inspired. She didn't hear a word of the Mother's Day message. But God put a dream in her to see a national day, Father's Day. So for better than 20 years, Sonora was on a cause to prove to her dad how much she loved him. And in 1924, she convinced President Calvin Coolidge to implement our very first Father's Day. That's awesome, isn't it? Because of the love of a daughter. Because of someone who was inspired by their dad. Listen, don't tell me that dads do not make a difference. Do not tell me that dads are not up for the adventure. The problem is choice. We just choose not to engage in certain parts of the adventure. And when we step into the landscape of our homes and into the landscape of where we live and in the landscape of our community, man, even in the landscape of church, 
Church is 80% driven by women volunteers. Where are the men? Women are on the front lines of spiritual leadership in the church. I kind of get this visual image of women up here, you know, with rifles and dresses on, on the front lines, and it's only because the men won't serve. Where are the men? And I do believe that it's because we have troubles as men figuring out what our place is in that atmosphere and in that environment. So let's learn a couple quick things. Let's learn from the best father in the world. Who is that? God, our father. Tom, I had a horrible dad. You have an amazing father. Your biological dad is very important in your life. But if he was not there for you, then you have a father you can go to right now who, for all of your past troubles, for all of your past situations, for all of your hurts, for all of your pains... He is a father that in a moment, he can change all of that. He can make that come around full circle, your entire past, and it will serve your future because he's an amazing father. He sees more potential in you. He sees more destiny. He sees your dreams. He sees what you can accomplish. And he shows us, all of us dads, how to be not just ordinary, but to be extraordinary in this life that we live. We have a short time. We have just a moment, a season to make a difference. And I've always said in any pulpit that I've had an opportunity to speak in that I will not win a thousand people for Christ and lose my son. I will not do it. Because I do believe that God has called man first to the family and then to the future and to what he has for him. Let me tell you what God does. God loves his children. He loves his children. In 1 John 4, 19, the Bible says we love because he loved us first. So you never have to wonder about God's love. There is a term used in the Bible. It's called unconditional. And when I'm going through something, when I'm having a hard time, when life is beginning to try to beat me up, I remember that term unconditional. And here's what it tells me. It tells me that God loved Tom Skiles first as a father, so that no matter how I mess up, no matter how I stumble, no matter what I do, God loves me, and he wants to see me succeed. Each and every one of you need to understand first that God loves you. God demonstrates his own love for us in Romans 5, 8. It says this, while we were sinners, Christ died for our sins the good father that he is, knowing exactly where you were going to be in 2008, gave his son so that you might live. Not just live the rest of your life here, but to have a spiritual awakening in your life, to accept that God really is powerful and he's real and he wants to live in your life. He's a good father. He shows us that unconditional love is the most important thing. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in God. Nothing will separate us. Nothing can separate you. Fathers, nothing can separate us from our kids. 
Nothing will be able to separate me from my son. Not a life choice. If he disobeys my rules, that won't separate me. There will be nothing I've determined now to be as strategic with my son as I possibly can. And listen to this, to speak up proactively into his future because I know things are coming down the path for him and I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to be a caveman and just grunt around and hope that everything turns out okay. But I'm going to step into his life and engage him with dialogue and speak into his life so that when those times come, he understands dad loves me no matter what. So that he can recognize the confusion instead of just thinking that he's breaking the rules. Does that make sense? And we have to give our kids that perspective in life. We have to give them an opportunity. Number two, God encourages his children. God is an encourager. You may not be thinking this right now. You might be in here and and be thinking there is no way that God is an encourager. But in Joshua 1.9... God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and be courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's a good father. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be terrified. I'm with you wherever you go. God is an encourager. Number three, God disciplines his children. I love my boy. I love my daughter. I love my family. And I got to tell you right now, I discipline my kids. I'm not concerned about how anybody feels about that. Each to his own on that, right? But the Bible does instruct that with love and with understanding, we should discipline our kids to help them in the way that they should go. It's very important for us to understand. And I know that in here, Moms all across the room have differences of opinions when it comes to the biblical understanding of what discipline means. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that as long as you're okay with me letting you know what the Bible says. Because we don't skirt the issues of the Word of God. We have to follow it. We grew up in a home with a dad that loved us more than anything, didn't we? My brothers... Joe and Mike are here, and they will tell you that we grew up in a home, and we never had a doubt that our dad loved us. And our dad believed in spare not the rod. (laughs) He was a huge advocate of that. I think he even lobbied on Capitol Hill to keep it. I'm not for sure. (laughs) And, you know, he was kind of like that country song. Daddy's hands, they were soft when I was crying daddy's hands you guys remember that song heart is steel when i done wrong trying to give that country twang in there for you guys that was our dad no matter what he was with us no matter what we knew he was on our side but when it came to sound instruction when it came to attitudes and discipline and respect and integrity and character treating others properly my dad would not spare the rod and joe and i got the blunt of that growing up younger because my dad got a little softer like the whole American landscape thing you know softened him up a little bit as he was as he was maybe it was wiser too I don't know I don't know you know maybe but but I do know this I know that Joe and I got the blunt of some of those spankings and then here's what Mike would do let me give you a little let me tell you what Mike would do Mike would Mike would use comedy 
to make dad laugh when he was at his maddest moment. It was all a timing thing with Mike. And if he could make him laugh, he knew he would get out of a spanking. That is exactly how Mike rolled. So he'd do something goofy, and Dad would kind of start chuckling in the middle of his anger. And all of a sudden, Mike knew he was off the hook. But it was really funny the times that Dad was mad enough not to let him, not to let him off the hook. Or Dad knew it was an important enough issue, is what I should say. Not mad enough, but, but an important enough issue not to allow Mike off the hook. And Mike would hold his heart, jump up and down and scream, I'm having a heart attack, Dad, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> And that, that is the truth. Let me, um, just so you don't think that I'm speaking my opinion, because we share the word of God and what it says. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8.5 says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. God cares about your future. And I care enough about my son to sometimes overlook the feeling or the attitude that he is in at that moment to know that I want him to have sound direction. It is hard to reason with a seven-year-old and get them to intellectually understand you sometimes. Sometimes it does take direction. Sometimes attitudes have to be confronted. Sometimes obedience should be there. And, 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 and I believe that, and, and it's okay if you believe differently. Proverbs 3.12 says, The Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. God is a God who disciplines. So I want to close with this. It's our responsibility. I do believe it's our responsibility to be there for our children. And sometimes it is hard work, isn't it, dads? Sometimes it's hard to step up and to step into the spiritual leadership that God wants us to step into. And here's why. Because it is a heart thing. It's not all hands-on. But we have to rely on God, our Father, with humility, vulnerability, and trust to help us lead our families each and every day of our lives. My son comes home off of the bus, and he is singing every 50-cent song known to man. He knows all of the gyrations and the moves. I said, where are you learning all that stuff? On the bus, Dad. We have to be willing and ready to engage and to speak dialogue into our kids' life so that they understand, hey, we don't agree with everything that happens out there in that great big world. We stand for something in Christ Jesus. We have values and convictions, and we believe that a person should have, be acting a certain way so that God can be pleased with our efforts here on earth. We have to teach our kids to understand some of these values. I want, to, I want to share this with you, and then I want to close. There's a parable that is told about three fathers who each felt the soft hand of his child in his own and realized the responsibility of teaching his child about God. Three dads. The first dad taught the child about the power and the might of God. As they walked down the pathway of life and he came to tall trees in the forest, he pointed them out and said, God made them and God can take them out with a single hand. As they were walking and his kid peered up into the sun, the first dad said, God made that sun. God is so powerful, son, and God can wipe out this entire field with the power of his might. As they looked at the ocean, the man said, God made that ocean and God is so powerful and we should fear him. He could flood this entire world with that ocean. 
When the time came where the dad and the son were standing before the Lord, the son was afraid to go up to God for fear because that's what the father had taught him. Fear God. Second dad. Second dad also realized his responsibility for his son as he was growing up. But the second dad was so busy when they came to the trees, he said, yep, that's trees. God made them. Let's move on. I got an organized schedule. I got to stick to what I'm doing. And the, the second dad, when they came to the, to the field and they seen the son, yep, that's it. God made it. Let's move on. We got to get over here. So all through life, the second dad was so busy that he did not have time so that when the dad and the son were coming up to the Lord, the son looked at God but just casually looked away for the busyness of life. He didn't understand what he was looking at. The third dad. The third dad felt that touch of a tender hand in his, and the third dad did something very wise. He adjusted his footsteps to fit his son or his daughter. He took the time to walk through each and every season of the life of his son and daughter. When they came to the trees, the dad bent down and said, now let's look at this tree. There's a root system underneath that God has created. And the tree grows larger if the root system and the foundation of that tree is strong. So he began to teach the child about why God created the tree. When they looked up at the sun, he said, well, let's see what God was doing here. And he took time to explain that the sun actually provides oxygen for you to breathe in and out every day, son. So that when God made this sun, he made it as a means of provision and survival for you. Yes, he's powerful, but also he loves you. So each and every moment and season of the child's life, the dad explained it so that when they came before the father the kid ran up to God crawled in his lap as a God that he feared but also as a God that he loved that's fathering to me that's the adventure that we tend to leave in and out of our day forgetting and I want to challenge each and every one of you dads today I want to challenge you to transform yourself from that caveman that we can all be so easily to God's man and allow God to use you in a special way. Well, Tom, I don't know the scripture. I don't know Bible passages. I don't know what I can share with my son. You are the scripture. You are the Bible passage. You are the manual book. These scriptures were written 2,000 years ago and they're here for us today for understanding and learning and to know what to do. But that doesn't mean you have to know it before you do it. God has given you an intuition on the inside of you. It's called a conscience. You're already driven by God's spirit. So if you will begin to just understand that when you get back into the landscape of your home and back into the landscape of your day-to-day lives, take time to stop and be the dad that God has intended you to be. Everybody stand to your feet. Thank you guys for being patient with me. And I want to say a prayer today over each and every dad in this room. And if you are here, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you are here and you are, if you are experiencing the lack of a father, or maybe you have uh, been, been deprived growing up with a dad that you felt cared about you, I want you to just to raise your hand at this time. I want to acknowledge that you, and I, I would like to pray with you. Anybody here, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else in the room?
All right, all right. I want to pray for you, and I also want to pray for all of our dads. Father, I thank you for everything that you do for us. We ask that you anoint each and every dad that is in this room. As a loving father, anoint us dads. We could never be like you, but we can strive to do our very best while we're here to step into the landscape and adventure of being a dad today. I don't want to be a caveman anymore, God. I want to be your man. I want to speak into the lives of my kids. I want to spend time with them and help them to understand about life. And I ask that each dad here, you give them a special anointing and a special challenge to walk away from here doing the very best that they can. For those that haven't had good fathers, God, I pray right now that you give them a special anointing and touch in their heart. You can heal them right where they are right now. Your spirit can do surgery in their heart. You can remove resentment. You can remove years of bottled up anger. You can let them know that you've always been with them. You've never forsaken them. And I pray that you minister to them right now. Bless us this week. And I ask that you just keep your hand upon us today on this very special Father's Day. And everybody give me a big old yes. yes. All right. Thank you, guys.